This is the Yasha Ben Israel Show, the place where we prance through the fog, just to glance through the smog. Hear me again, that's my motto. This is the place where we prance through the fog just to glance through the smog. Here we talk about things they don't want you to know. Here we talk about the things they don't want you to talk about. Today's topic is going to be a freestyle topic. I want to talk about plagues and pestilence. I want y'all to sit back with me. And relax. Relax. And let Yasha do all the work. I want to look up the word pestilence. Look up the word pestilence. I'm looking it up now. And the word pestilence from the Oxford Languages Dictionary is a noun and it is archaic, which means that it's an old, old word in the white man's English language. Anglo-Saxon language. Pestilence. A fatal epidemic disease. Especially bubonic plague. Wow. A fatal epidemic disease. Especially the bubonic plague. I'm going to look up plague and see what we get when we look up plague. What we get. We're getting a slow computer. They know I'm on the. They know I'm on the air, so I'll just back up out of that. Yeah, they know I'm on the air. Okay, plague, a contagious bacterial disease, characterized by fever and 
delirium. Wow. A contagious bacterial disease characterized by fever and delirium. Typically with the formation of bubos, which is the bubonic plague, and sometimes infection of the lungs, pneumonic plague, pneumonic plague, pneumonic plague, pneumonic, pneu, air, pneumonic, pneumonia, pneumonia, okay? This is how Yasha does research. I'm just showing y'all how I come across my information. Okay, now, we came across the the definition of plague and pestilence. Now, I want to look up pestilence in the Bible. We're in a computer age, and this old man is having fun with these computers. This white man ain't going to let us have this fun with this computer after a while. It's gonna, he's trying to take us away from that Bible. Pestilence in the Bible. The book that they try to take us away from. Pestilence in the Bible, KJV. I got the Tanakh right here on standby. What does the Bible say about pestilence? Warner University? No, I will not popping up. I'm going to tap into it. It's the first one that comes up. What does the Bible says about pandemics or plagues? Did God bring COVID-19? How should the Bible, excuse me, how should the people of God respond? I'm going to read this. In a number of places in the Bible, there is mention of plagues, pestilences, and and or epidemics killing people. For example, in Leviticus 26-25, when Israel falls into covenant violation, God says, I will send pestilence among you in 2 Chronicles 6-28. Solomon says, if there is pestilence, famine, or blight, God may hear from the temple 
the prayers of the people. Wow, that's problematic because the temple has been destroyed for over 2,000 years. Well, roughly 2,000 years. God can't hear the prayers from the people from a temple that does not exist. Let me get back to the text. In the next chapter, 2 Chronicles 7 and 13, which is the 7th chapter and the 13th verse, God says that if he sends pestilence, the people can pray and humble themselves. I repeat, God says that if he's if he sends pestilence, the people can pray and humble themselves. Emphasizing on verse 14. That's 7 and 13, emphasizing on verse verse 14. Plagues number four. Plague number four on the Egyptians is pestilence on the livestock. Uh Uh-oh. Y'all better watch what's going to happen. Plague number four is pestilence. On the livestock. When we're dealing with the Egyptians. And as a result, they all die. As mentioned in Exodus 9, which is the ninth chapter, 3 through 6, which is the third through the sixth verse. In 2 Samuel 24 15, God sends a pestilence that kills 70,000 Israelites. 2 Samuel 24 15, God sends a pestilence that kills 70,000 Israelites because of David's ill conceited senses. They want to number the Israelites so they can get rid of them. It's a long story to that. long story about this Israel thing, this God thing, why you people see have a connection to something that we heathens don't see, and that is their sentiments. Why are you chosen people see things that we heathens just don't see because the Israelites see with the eyes. We don't feel with our eyes. You people are emotional. 
you're only supposed to feel stimulating things, whether they're painful stimulation, whether they're pleasant stimulation, they're stimulus, which means that they're normally not there. Let me get back to this reading. Jesus said in Luke 21, that's the 21st chapter, and 11, the 11th verse, that there will be plagues. Wow. Yeshua, Yahawashai, Yavashai, Yehoshua, Yahsha, said there will be plagues. That's Luke, the 21st chapter and 11th verse. Both Ezekiel and Jeremiah speak of God sending plagues. For example, in Ezekiel 14 and 21 and 33 and 27, also and in Jeremiah 21, 6 verse and 7 verse. And the ninth verse in Revelations, the sixth chapter, the eighth verse, the pale rider kills one fourth of the earth with the sword, famine, and pestilence. Wow. Revelation 6 9 8 6 8 9 the pale rider kills a fourth of the earth with a sword famine and pestilence y'all still with me here I want to make sure y'all still with me here I want to keep reading Make sure y'all with me. You still with me? Yeah, y'all still with me. 15 minutes. Psalms, the 91st chapter. We go to verses 5 and 6. My computer shut off. Let me get back with this. Let me go to verse 5 and 6. A great psalm of protection says that we will not fear the terror of the night. The arrow of the day. Nor the pestilence. The stalks in the darkness or 
the destruction that comes at the noonday. For the sake of the argument, let us accept for a moment that COVID-19 is really a plague. Of course, some doubt this. Nothing. Excuse me. Of course, some doubt this, noting that the percentages of the people that die is actually quite small compared to those who are diagnosed with it, those that catch it, and those that get through it. Did y'all just hear what, what I just read? I verified that is the truth. Man, I am about to bury one of my cousins. And when I mean bury, I mean let her go of my heart and soul. For she has departed from this life. She took the COVID-19 shot. That night, she was in the hospital, suffering, suffering, put her in the hospital, yes they did, they had her in there. What's that uh thing they use? The respirator. They had on a respirator. Lungs. I thought I just read something about the lungs and its connections to pandemics and plagues. I could have sworn I did. The lungs. Wow. I'm about to bury my cousin. She's the first one in my immediate family. In my family at all. In my family. In my bloodland family to catch COVID. These things are pestilences. These things are curses. These things are plagues. There's a bomb in Gilead. There's a bomb in Gilead. It is my favorite song today. Song by the Clark Sisters. I hear those girls talking about things in that song that was going on in the Bible days. I can't sing. (laughs) 
Yeah. But my cousin, she feared that she had contracted COVID. She feared she contracted COVID my cousin feared that she contracted petty ass COVID she feared that she contracted the bubonic plague. There's nothing on this earth that compared to COVID like the bubonic plague. Because what has happened is that you people didn't believe in God. You believed in the power structure that be. You believed in money. And the faces on that money are all Anglo-Saxon white men. The most powerful dollar in the world today has a white man face on it. The bubonic plague was a plague that occurred throughout Europe that killed all of Europe. And it was largely due to the to due to the nastiness of Europe. The rats, the fleas, the mice. feces or manure doo-doo yeah people not having proper sewerage that was what was said to have caused the bubonic plague Today, it was said to have come from an exotic meat market in China. Was it Wuhan? The Wuhan market or some shit like that? Let me refrain from that type of English. 
let me use clear words, proper English. Now this bubonic plague has been studied by the white man. And when I mean by the white man, I'm, I'm talking about those that are for the negative energy. And when I speak about the black man, I speak about those that are for the positive energy. And I'm talking about in relation to us as human beings. For there are plenty of black people that are on the white agenda. Good jobs, good homes. You know, money. Oh yeah, I'm about to twist up one because y'all in here with me. I'm going to make this about a two or three hour session. The plague. The pandemic the epidemic yeah yeah pandemic the epidemic the plague I was just reading y'all to y'all something from Warner University when I look up plagues. I'm going to finish reading this because this was quite interesting. So it says, for the sake of argument, let us accept for a moment that COVID-19 is really a plague. Man, I can't get past this sentence. Let us accept for a moment that the COVID-19 is a plague. Okay, I accept it for the moment. I've been accepting it for quite a few moments. For about a year, this is April, for about a year and a few weeks, Surely, I'll accept it for a moment. It's easy to for me to accept it for a moment when I've been going through it for a year. Seen many people that I've known pass away. first bubonic plague, it was all white people that was dying. All Europeans, all white people, Anglo-Saxons, Germanic, 
people dying from the bubonic bonic plague. This was at a time when the world had known for Jews to be black. And basically what they were saying was that the Jews was responsible for the pl- for the spread of the plague, for the spread of the bubonic plague. I might need to push that up. Y'all with me, we just freestyling. You know. The bubonic plague in Jews. Jews be responsible. But yet and still, there was no black nations dying from it. China don't have a history of the bubonic plague. The only history they got is second and third hand. India don't have a history of the bubonic plague. Israel don't have a history of the bubonic plague. Well, it might. Because these words sit like plague, virus, bacteria, Pestilence, you know, plague, like the ten plagues. These words are all synonymous, okay? You don't have a history of these so called plagues, not a recorded history. Not an old recorded history. And maybe these things may have happened in the old, old, old world. And I'm talking about places like China, India, you know, places like Australia. Okay. Places that should not have even been affected by a plague, a bacterial infection. Basically, that stuff only killed people that lived in what is today called European nations. The the places like uh, England, for sure. England was a big hot spot. Spain. Wow. Do y'all know the distance between England and Spain? Quite a long ways. 
quite a long ways. I'm gonna check to see how much time I got here. I've been talking 32 minutes. Yeah, so the plague was killing people from England, Spain, which was at that time being dominated by the Gauls, Charlemagne and in the, in the boys, the French. All of these Germanic people who accepted Christianity a thing that was ushered in by Emperor Constantine the first emperor of Rome that was Anglo-Saxon Can you believe that Negroes were emperors of Rome before the Anglo-Saxons? We're talking about Rome here. Negroes actually had more power over Rome than the Anglo-Saxons. than the Germanics, the pestilence. Let me get back to this article, man. For the sake of the argument, let us accept for a moment that COVID-19 is really a plague. Of course, some doubt this. Nothing, excuse me, some doubt this, noting that the percentage of the people that die is actually quite small compared to the number of those who are diagnosed with it. On the other hand, death tolls in the U.S. has risen above 160,000. Granted, there are often other health complications involved. The historian Walter Shiedel Shiedel or what's that? C-H-E-I-D-E-L I speak English that's not an English name Uh, in his book The Great Leveler talks about the Black Plague the Black Death of the 1300s I said 1400s, I was a a little bit off by 100 years, but that's okay. Some people don't know nothing. Where about 24 million died in Europe. Wow, didn't I just tell y'all that? And the population of England fell by half. Didn't I tell y'all that England was the hotbed? This is the first time me reading this. I agree with it. What's that? Thucydides. 
That's T-H-U-C-Y-D-I-D-E-S. Thucydides tells us about plague in Athens during the Peloponnesian, the Peloponnesian War. And Tacitus about the plague in Rome during the time of Nero. Our situation may seem mild compared to the Black Death unless you are one suffering. Yeah, I like that. Our situation may seem mild compared to the Black Death unless you are one suffering. Also, we do not yet know what course things will take in the next few months. Wow, Warner University, I like that. Let me continue. God sinned, excuse me, did God send this pandemic? Sometimes in the Bible, plagues are said to be directly sent by God for a specific purpose of punishment, whereas other times they just came as part of a world where death plays a part. We do not have a prophetic word one way or the other in the current situation to be dogmatic on this. Oh boy, I'll have to break this down and chop this up. He said we do not have a prophetic word. Well, the word we is W-E and it's not I. Let me read this again and go back over this. Did God send this pandemic? Is it here? The answer is the same. Sometimes in the Bible, plagues are said to be directly sent by God for a specific purpose of punishment. Every time they were sent by God for a specific purpose of punishment, whereas other times they just came, well, the other times they didn't come, men did not know the laws of God, and they ushered in this punishment, this time is a little something different, because the man knows the laws of God, this white man is a scientist, these people know the Hebrew thought, they know Hebrew, they, they break down this Bible. Yeah. You know the Center for Disease Control. You, you, you don't think that they have made a connection with this and the plague? You think Bill Gates, the computer man, not made a connection with this and the plague? Or should I say the owner for the Center for Disease Control? I think that's better. You think he don't know? He knows. 
that is the prophetic word. They can't say we don't have a prophetic word. You as Europeans, I'm going to stop calling you that because the original Europeans were black. From Queen Europa. From Canaan. From Ham. tell you white people been posing for us as the longest. At first they started out posing as Hamites. Today they're posing as Shemites. They're saying that they are Israel and that they are Ishmael and oh man this stuff get crazy. We do not have a prophetic word on this or the other in the current situation to be dogmatic on this. That's bullshit. How should the people of God respond at a base level? There is the God will be with you even in trouble approach again it said how should the people of God respond at a base level there is the God will be with you even in trouble approach then there is a second level approach here are the skills you need to navigate this Both are very limited because of collateral damage, such such as job loss or economic collapse of certain industries. Wow. How should the people of God respond? At a base level, there is the God will be with you even in trouble approach. Then there's the second level approach. Here are the skills you need to navigate through this. Because you're going to need skills. Both are very limited because of collateral damage such as job loss, number one. Economic collapse. Especially of certain industries. For the person grounded in the Bible and rooted and grounded in Christ, oh, certainly. That's a question. There are several things already built into our lives. First, we know that we all go back to the dust. At some time, some after nine days and some after 90 years, dust comes to all sooner or later. From dust you are and dust you shall return, it says in Genesis 3.19. Second, 
life is uncertain in the beast or worst of times. Excuse me. Life is uncertain in the best or worst of times. Well, that's something to think about. That is very, very, very heavy. The way it's heavy. Something that needs to be thought about. Life is uncertain in the best or worst of times. We all want it easy. Somebody is dying. We see them on their deathbed or they sick and they waning down. As they're waning down, we know they're sick. We know they're about to go. We've prepared ourselves for it. And as we prepared ourselves for them leaving, What we have not prepared ourselves for is those that leave in the best of times. We have not prepared ourselves for those who caught the COVID-19 pandemic plague, the bubonic plague. The COVID-19 is the bubonic plague. Trust me. These Europeans Bill Gates, he owns the patent for COVID-19. He has the money and the power to extract the genes, the genomes, and the bacteria, the viral loads of the original bubonic plague. The difference with this one is, this one has been mixed with a little bit of AIDS, a little bit of HIV, a little bit of shingles, a little bit of herpes. Oh yeah, this one is the big one. Those that are doing well up in the market. Those that are part of the cobble. Those that you suspect would have been good with the cobble, with the Illuminati, with the white power source. Still dying. The scary part is, I think a chief bidding Napoleon man, that was a nice looking man, physically, nice looking man, intellectually, he did his job, and he did it the right, white way, yes he did, the man had his credentials, degrees, 
I mean, the guy that you would really look up to for doing things the right, white way. He had been Napoleon, was gone. He did. Even his own daughter said that dad always kept a mask on. He always kept on gloves. He was always well prepared. He, you don't understand how he got it. They don't understand how he got it. He was doing good in life. I think he was the chief of Detroit Police Department at one time. I'm talking about the number one cop. The, the, you know, the, 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 the third man next to the mayor. Well, the second man next to the mayor, because the, was it the, I think the chief of police might be the second man next to the mayor, you know, in the hierarchy of how the city is ran, you know, chief of police, being Napoleon, he's out of here. Remember many times Benny as a little kid watching Benny. Watching Benny do his thing. He just did not do things the way that the typical Negro from the hood would have done them. He he did things the perfect way according to the white man's laws and society. Benny been going almost a year now, and he caught the first wave of deaths. The pale horse that was spoken of in the revelations. I think I quoted that scripture. So you can't sit up here and just, I mean, he was a black man, I mean, I guess. His blackness was expendable, you know, but he made them people lots of money. Put millions of Negroes in jail. Maintained law and order to the best way that he knew how. Excerpts from the Warner University. That's warner.edu. There's a blog about plagues and the Bible. I'm doing a breakdown of it. In fact, this has been 51 minutes, so I'm going to have to stop this. This will conclude part one of the plagues and the Bible, Warner University, EDU, and Yasha's breakdown on it. This is the Yasha Ben Israel Show. This is yours truly, Yasha Ben Israel. The show where we prance through the fog, just a glance through the smog, 
the show where we talk about things that other people don't talk about, scared to talk about, and the show where we talk about things that they don't want you to know. The bubonic plague and corona is the same thing. the world oldest profession. How it became the world oldest profession. Who made it that? says that David was a man after God's own labib. You know, God's own labib. God's own heart. The kind of mind I have, I want to look off into the Hebrew word labib meticulously just to figure out what that means. Surely that'll give us understanding. Does God have feelings? Does God have feelings? Yes. What does God feel? How does God feel about Horton? Prostitution, sex work. Yeah, I like to use the word sex work. Why I like to use the word sex work? Because it's a dumb down term. It's a term that when we use it, we use it because we don't like to say tricking and whoring. Prostituting, whoredom, prostitution. 
the word sound ugly. Sex work doesn't sound as bad. All the same shit. What does God feel? How does God feel? Whoredom. Sex. Work. Sex. That's a more pejorative term to me than horror. Those women who accepted being whores at a time when American society looked at whoredom something bad and wrong. Yeah. America's Christian society looked at whoredom bad and wrong. Probably every since America probably has been a Christian nation. For that is a tenet of Christianity. Whoredom. But the people who made whoredom and pimpdom popular throughout the world was America's slaves. Yeah. The America slave made pimpdom and whoredom popular throughout the world. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it was America's slaves due to the conditions that they were forced to live in. Especially after the 1800s. Before the 1800s, the level of whoredom in America and throughout the world. Mm, Let me find a better way to rephrase that. The Put it like this. The 1800s, the early from 1800s, Roughly 1802, 1803, 1804. That little two year period between 1802 and 1804. It produced a new kind of whoredom that the world has never seen before. It was a forced whoredom. 
to actually a very good and godly people. It would just destroy the world if the African Americans happened to be the children of Israel caught up in slavery. Reduced to slavery. The people who brought morality to the world. You did. The people that brought morality to the world and they reduced to slavery. Hmm. That's something to think about. And then think about the slavery that they was reduced to was a slavery that was introduced to a very new people on the planet. A people who did not know how to practice the art of this slavery the way that the old world practiced it. America had a chattel slavery history. Europeans, white men, And after 1803, roughly, America banned the import and exportation, the importation and exportation of slavery here on the American grounds. No pirates, no ships. America was going through great limits to have naval forces, which was powerful for its time, but nowhere near as powerful as it is today. And they would, you know, make sure that they would, you know, coat, you know, uh, you know, I was I would say pirate, uh, a counter pirate the sheep, the, the seas, to make sure that no slaves came on these shores, and to make sure that no slaves were coming into the land from the other side of the waters, from the African continent. And being that that was so, that a lot of people here, rich people, slave, enslavers, slaveholders, people that was into that game, people that owned black people as chattel. Yeah, chattel slavery is what I'm talking about owned black people as chattel, material goods, you know, the black man should have sat first the black man, then your house, and your diamonds, and your gold, and your clothes, and your bank account, and your stocks, and your bonds, and your investments, that's how it actually was. Because the black man was the stocks, the bonds, and the investments that made everything else in between a reality. Okay? 
And in this slavery, it, you know, slavery was not abolished. It was the importation and exportation of slavery, slaves. And America had enough slaves on its ground that they implemented a serious inbreeding policy very serious. I mean, you got to understand that slaves were their money. And up went the American breeding farms. From 1800 on up until the Emancipation Proclamation for certain. America had breeding farms and you're talking about a, about a good 70 years strong. I'm talking about strong. Not the time that it took to start it or the time that it took to, you know, to end it. We're talking about a good 70 years strong. And in these breeding farms, all America wanted to do was breed the Negro. Breed the Negro. And in breeding this Negro, it abandoned every moral took the African-American, we all know that Africa's the world oldest country, you know, I mean, people like Socrates, Herodotus, Pliny, you know, we go way back to that day of white people knowing that black people were the architects, the founders of humanity architects of civilization and societies and the people who introduced the world to God most important yeah they knew that they knew our people introduced the world to that them more so because they are the topic of discussion and they reduced these great 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 people who could trace their lineage all the way back to Samaria Iraq to the time they brought us over here to the western island coasts. Scholars greater than I have challenged me and taught me because they won that there were Africans further east than Samaria. 
We talking about the dominated China. You know. Talking about a world where blacks was dominant. You know, we can forget about the idea of God. We're going to pause that for it. No, don't forget it, but just let, let's pause it for a second. Because there was those blacks that didn't share the same ideas fully for God as the Israelites did. But they still were blacks in power. Blacks who walked and talked as Elohim. The black man is the Elohim. He could be the false god. He could be the bad god. He, he could be the worst god. He could be the greatest god. Because he is the son of God. When they brought him into the slavery. And they went through all of the. When they went through all of the. When they went through all of the breeding at these farms, they threw all morality out the window, all ethics, all culture, all religion, because at that time they were Christian. And even as Christian in their practice, with their crops, with their slaves, you know, it all should have been done by the order of the book. And they did not do that. The Israelites, when they had their slaves, they did it according to the law of the book. The white man did not do that. So when people talk about these Christians and, and, and how they use slavery to manipulate people in the Bible and this and that, I can't really, really buy that because they didn't really follow the Bible real well. And to even throw that out there in that kind of context when they don't abide by the Bible real well, it's kind of like an oxymoron to me. I can't see how that became powerful at all. And and it's the very reason why your greatest Christian practitioners are sinners. But back at the ranch, excuse me, let, let me skip the pimp talk. Back at the breeding farms, the breeding farms, they were in this big scramble, rush to mass reproduce the African American. They needed him. They needed him because he was the base of this country and the base of this society. They needed them for nothing else. They needed them for the physical labor of the society. They needed him for the financial infrastructure of the society. Pretty much like a pimp needs a hoe, like a dope dealer needs dope. And it was just as bad and just as wrong in the eyesight of God. But let me quit bullcrapping because I've been bullcrapping for the last four or five minutes. I'm going to say this real fast because I don't like it because it's ugly. But on these breeding farms, they had a young man, a young woman. They picked their fashion of 
every young man that they want to reproduce. Quite naturally, when they wanted to produce the buck, they pick the biggest, the strongest, you know, the one who produced the, the, the breed of Negro that produced them money. The valuable Negro. Why everybody will run around here won't talk about the Negro ain't shit. Especially the rhetoric started by the Generation X woman. I'll be doing a podcast about Generation X. But the Generation X woman is the first woman in the history of America to produce the idea amongst the world that her own gender man ain't shit. By signing contracts with the white man. You know, by having a secret relationship that they keep. You know, that, that you got the super elite and the double minority. <laughs> got a secret thing going on, you know. You know, the white man, you know, me and Mrs. Jones. You know, I named her that. that I gave her that name. You know, me, white man. <laughs> yeah, so, these farms they had, that young, you know, they, they pick the best type of woman, that woman, she really didn't even matter about her. It was about reproducing that man for the most part. You know, that's what they were trying to do. Produce the ideal black man. And, and in doing that, that black man, got, he was a buck. He was the one that was doing all the fucking buck fucking, you know. Just passing dick around everywhere. I'm going to talk like a grown man know, it didn't matter, and you know, and then when it came time, when his sister came on up, period, hey, he had to hit that, when his little cousin came on up, period, he had to hit that, when the girl next door, the girl across, you know, the girl, in the, in the, uh, you know, uh, 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 the, uh, you know, however way the fuck it went, you know, even mama, you know, they even had the boy and the mama doing it. It was all about reproducing the male. They were trying to get the top quality male. Because if you know anything about genetic birthing, you know, you're going to get, it's a greater chance you're going to produce females than men when you're you're reproducing. You know, in the genetic cycle of things, it's a greater chance you're going to produce females than men. And then in doing this, you know, they didn't, they kind of X the females out because you're going to get a multitude of them. So they had to focus on trying to get the best type of man. And in doing that, any woman that came on a period, you know, that was able to bleed, you know what I'm saying? That's what I mean by came on a period. You know, there was an alma, you know, that, 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 that was menstruating, that was of a young, marriageable, sexable age, an alma. Menstruating, sexable, fuckable, marriageable, childbearing, family building, age type woman. Any woman of that age, she had, they didn't give a fuck about her. She had no nut. All she was was a fuck project to the white man. And he passed that energy down to the black man. You know, he. Kind of like the Kunta Kinte Chicken George syndrome, you know, where your grandfather was this great, great, great revolutionary against this white shit, 
and then just for his grandson to be the son of a white man. You know, that type of thing. You know, to, you know, where they had the history of both the grandfather and the white daddy. All he knows is that black woman is his mama. You know, and all of the crazy allure that went on around him and the magic that went on around him. Everybody knew who the fuck his daddy was. His grandfather was except for him. White men treat him like that was a little boy. But we talking about this pimping and this whoredom. So the black woman had been without sexual boundary from the beginning. He picked her specifically for her. I mean, it, it's always been like that. The woman has been without rule, period. Boom. We, we scrape her up like you do like you do the motherfucking poker chips on the poker tape. You scrape their ass on out the way. <laughs> you know, at the casino, you know. Just take the motherfucker and screw their ass over to the side. And that's how women has always been looked at throughout the society. For when the nation came in, I'm going to make this quick, when the nation came in and conquered other nations, they always, you know, went and grabbed up the woman, took ownership and possession of that woman. So I'm trying to let y'all understand that it's not common. For the, it, it shouldn't be common, uncommon to look at the white man for seeing his black slave as his property and his commodity and to take her as booty, okay, literal booty, you know, I mean, for every asset of, of the word. For booty more so means the woman. She was the most prized product of, of, of booty, okay. And it wasn't necessarily the black woman or the white woman. It was any woman that was taken in a nation of raid, war, and and savage, old-school conquering. You know, when they went in and plundered and pillaged the land. You know, I mean, straight battering and butchering type shit, you know. So, but in America, this woman, she didn't have no rules and no boundaries. You understand? She was used to, you know, uh, the white he bought her so he could take her virginity. He's going to be the first one to fuck her. He knows the power of it with his Christian self. You know, all Christian rules thrown out the window because the Christians followed the laws of God, which was the laws of Moses. You know, the Bible, you know, the Old Testament is a part of the Bible. Jesus did not come to do away with none of that. You know, Jesus followed the Bible. You know, Jesus followed the Old Testament. You know, Jesus more so followed the Old Testament than the New Testament because there was no New Testament in Jesus' day. If you were following Christ, then you would have followed the Old Testament. And you would have known how to better treat your slaves, but you did not. And they really, you know, you got to understand the degradation. A young woman, you know, who, got a, who, who probably came on a period at nine and, by the time she was 12, she was pregnant. You know what I'm saying? By 14, she may have had two kids. You see? White man, he bought her. You know? He, when he bought the black woman, he bought her with the idea of having sexual relationship with her.
black woman has always been a white man's concubine. When you dig all down through Islam, Muhammad took, what was her name? Was it Khadijah? The Israelite woman killed her husband, took her, forced her to be his wife, who later on ended up being the reason why he ended up dead because it was said that she poisoned him. He went into Africa, took these black women, happen to stumble across the Israelite tribe and they're gonna kill off her husband and think that she gonna forget that. Force her off into servitude and force her to be his concubine. Forced whoredom. Got two kinds of whoredoms. You got willing, submissive whoredom and you got forced whoredom. And the slaves, the African-American woman, she either was going to be either or. She's either going to be submissive in her whoredom or she's going to be forced to do her whoredom in America. And that history has never stopped. After slavery, it didn't stop. It didn't stop. When the Black, when the black man was freed from slavery, this is what pimping come in at, you know, because they was always whores. You got to understand what a whore was. You know, in the ancient world, in the Afro-Asiatic world, a whore was a woman who did not follow the social construct of sexuality. And it's even like that in America today. You know, everybody is fucking, so today they want to up the ante and say a whore is somebody who's selling her, a sex worker, a prostitute, an escort, a stripper, or some shit like that, okay? But in the ancient Afro-Asiatic world that happens to make its way into the Bible, the pages of the Bible, a whore was just somebody who simply had a female Specifically, not somebody, I take that back, I, I erase that from the record. A uh, whore was simply a female who had sex before she was maritally bound to a man. For the first man to take a woman's virginity in the most ancient Afro-Asiatic societies, especially the good ones, and the godly ones, the Israelite one, was her husband. A woman's husband was the one to take her hand into holy matrimony and marriage, the beauty of it, and to introduce her into marriage, introduce her into a whole new life, introduce her to sexual intercourse. And anybody who did it outside of those premises was considered Hazuna in Hebrew. And that's what it was recorded as in the Hebrew Bible. Because if, 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 if in that society, the, the virgin was prized all throughout all Afro-Asiatic societies, even in the Babylonian society that practiced temple whoredom, the virgin was always the prize of the society. 
She's not the prize, and she's actually the prize in American society. She just doesn't know it. You know, they want her to hurry up and want her to get rid of her virginity so she can get on out here and become the whore for them. You know, pimp is not interested into virgin, virginity, and holiness and righteousness. You know, and American society is a society created by the white man. The original pimp. The society is a pimp. Don't you feel bad about your your uh your your virginity? You should put a high price on your virginity, woman. Any man who wanna sit up there and take you down this evil, dirty road of whoredom, you should make him pay a high price for it. That's for certain. Not any man after. We talking about that first man. And, and maybe the first three I'll give room to. After that, you you just a bona fide whore, and just submit to the rules of become a submissive whore. But the unsubmissive whore is that virgin who they forced into having no boundaries concerning her sexuality. And after slavery was abolished, after. Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation in the late 1800s, in the latter, the latter parts of the 1800s. The black woman had already had been through roughly close to about a hundred years, or better. Some would say. A good 400 years. Some say 200. At that time, we talking about during the side time of the Emancipation Proclamation, and the records get blurred because ships was constantly coming in and out, in and out, ever since the days of Columbus, and ever since the days of the what's that, the Damas Dumasis. You know the papal bulletin of slavery by the Catholic Church and the Pope, where he where he said it was okay to take black people, whether they were Saracens or Hagarenes. In other words, whether they was Israelites or Muslims. You know whether they was from Sarah or or Hagar. Take them, sell them as slaves. Reduce them down to nothing, and in that nothingness was the production of the American horish society. And the black woman has always been America's poster t- child for whoredom, and the black man was always the American poster child for the pimp. Somewhere around the late 70s, I mean not late 70s, the early 70s, you know, I, 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 I would like to think just based on my recollection, I was born in 72, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint it. But just my experience of walking on this planet, I would say. Somewhere around the 1970s, I wanted to say late 60s, but the 1970s, 
the early 1970s, pimps were outlawed by the American government, which means that they got rid of this black man. But let me tell you how the pimp was introduced. He was introduced because when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, it freed the black man into a society to where all of its rules, laws, ethics, beliefs, you did, core moral values, principles, everything about his existence was bent on the keeping down of the black man. There was no great reformation for the black man. America had several reformation periods. You know, they want to talk about the great religious reformation, and the great reformation of this, and, but America had several reformations. But the black man was never reformed. The black woman was never reformed. They made him free. The black man wanted to get off from under that yoke of oppression. Yeah, but he couldn't because he had no jobs. He had no skills to enter into the new world, the new industrial world. So most of them stayed doing what they profession, you know, what they were professionally known for doing under the auspices of slavery. They, were, they became sharecroppers. They were the ones who grew America's foods and, and textile products. And, you know, the, they, they were the ones who kept up the old-fashioned way. And being that they were kicked out of slavery now, they had, they, the black man had to go. He had no place to go. He had no skills, you know, let the white man trick him, you know, the meaning that he didn't have no, no credentials, you know, he had nothing that he could use to get a hold upon this newly reformed American society after Lincoln signed the proclamation, uh, declaration, I mean the Emancipation Proclamation, excuse me. It's the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, from 1800 till the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, America's blacks have been exposed to some of the most degrading sexual acts, considering the fact that a lot of the slave owners were homosexual and bisexual, which means that uh, just for for the punishment of a young black man who did not want to hear, you know, they did what was called bug breaking. And in this process of bug breaking, you know, if, if they would have to have another white man, another white buck to break this young guy who's bucking up against the society, then that's what they're going to have him do, which is to rape him and molest him. And this mentality has carried itself throughout America's prisons to this very day. Horrible. 
The African American woman is nothing like she is today. She feels that she's entitled to a high value man. Most of these people don't even know what the fuck a high value man is. Have no fucking clue. In fact, the men of the most value, they try to hold them and suppress them. But back to this whoredom thing. So, America just has since the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, the black man couldn't find opportunity in this newfound reformed society. So what he did, you know, since the master was already, you know, let 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 let's say that, you know, you had good masters that would allow his slave to marry but he still was gonna fuck the slave woman because that was his property you know he didn't care about her he didn't love her or nothing you know he was just his property if he fed her he fed both you and her you were always the black man was always on the welfare of the state he was always on the welfare of the white man you know so you had the white man that would allow you know, because he wanted to reproduce and he hoped he, that he didn't have a baby by the white one, black woman, but if she fucked her, he, he, he gonna fuck her. If she got pregnant by him, then oh well, but he didn't, that wasn't his ob- objective. You know, he his objective for these slaves to reproduce, he did. And he found him a little cute when he had corner on off and, you know, and, while all everybody else out there working and badgering themselves in the field. This motherfucker in the house getting her hair curled and got her own motherfucking robes coming out the shower. And, you know, she didn't come out scantily clad, you know, but that's how the old school world of, 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 of prostitution was. So when you dealing with, when you dealing with this whole thing, slavery, you know, it, it reduced the black woman down to nothingness. And just, just think of the next day after the Emancipation Proclamation, inside of a relationship that was set now. Now the slaves are free. Now all the the men and the woman that master allowed to be together and to reproduce. Now they free. They can have children, which belongs to them now. You know what I'm saying? They can have families that belong to them now. Me and this woman is married with family now. But, you know, damn, the black man is like, shit, I can't find my Lord. I'm just out of slavery, shit. A week or two go by, a month go by, you know, shit, you know, I mean, damn, I can't find no work other than, you know, than to stay here. You know, because the, the white man made deals with them, like, fuck it, you know, slavery is illegal and I can't make you my slave. Well, if you out there, you made a deal with the black man, well, I'll let you stay right there where you've been staying. And you just gotta just work it off in my farms, you know. He found a way to manipulate that Negro back to that motherfucking plantation on the farms, picking cotton, you know, tobacco, marijuana, fucking fruits and vegetables and just, fucking crops, you know, they grew from the earth. They wasn't making too much money, so the 
black family could never prosper. It was almost like living on welfare, you know. And the black man say, you know, oh, I hated when you slept with master, but I, I knew that before slavery, every every Friday, every Tuesday, when he come back from Detroit on the U-Haul, he gonna smash wifey, then he gonna take the other girl, you know. Man, the shit gets crazy. But you, it's, it's, man, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. So, anyway, I'm just going to just leave that alone. When, when you took this young African-American woman and, you know, black man just goes on and he say fuck it you know and since you've been sleeping with master I can't make it in this society and we can't get up you know and master been coming through here sleeping with you and I knew about it you know well I mean we need some money you know why don't you just go freshen up and look good like you used to do for master you know now he got a charge, you know. Maybe we can get a little bit ahead from the norms of just eating and, you know, on living and sleeping on this plantation and me going out doing these fucking crops and working, us us doing this work in this field because a lot of times it's sitting that motherfucking woman out there too. Fuck it. You want to stay here too? Char- he didn't look at him as a family and go say the black man go out there and, pluck the crops. He sent a black bitch out there too because it was more productive for him. You know, y'all both won't stay on this plantation. You know, y'all got to go out there and, you know, work. You know, y'all work that off. The black man couldn't get ahead. So he allowed his wife to sleep with the white man for a couple extra dollars. And this thing became a popular, you know, that the black woman has always been looked at the white man's whore. You know, her sex toy her pleasure, you know, American society after the 1800s was just fashioned that way, you know, and the pimp was the man who, you know, I mean, shit, it was always this way, and I can't get ahead, you know, then fuck it, then I'll let you do this, and you, it, it ain't illegal, you know, because you was always doing this, you know, I mean, you can't put interject God in it now on my behalf, you know, because you the same Christian that was still doing it, you know. And I mean, the same God should still be okay with it, you know. And, that's, and then, you know, brothels, you know, had, be, had, had began to, you know, become set up, you know. Now, I don't know whether the brothels were set up by white women in competition because they saw the monies, you know, that the prostitution game, you know, was generating. You know, I think the brothels were houses that after the Emancipation Proclamation that white women had set up to compete against the poster child whore, 
which was the American black woman. You wonder how today the black woman could be so mean, so sexually, sexually detached from mostly all the men, including the one she's with, she's ever been with. You know, then America in the early 70s went on a great campaign to just banish pimps for good. Get rid of him. He he, he raising the price up too high. He got y'all driving four, five fancy-ass cars, juries. Got you women looking good, eating good, smelling good. Take y'all asses to the gym. You know, yeah, but that's how, that's how America's whoredom got started. You know, it got started off the violation of God's laws, whether you be Christian or Jew or Muslim, because in Al-Islam, in Islam, it teaches that you should pay homage to the Torah and the Angel and many of the other books that came before it. I'm not the one to beat you up. You know, for your bad mistakes here in America. Yeah. Your sexual mishaps. We didn't know any better. America taught us that we were everything except the sons and daughters of God. You know, but that is how the American whoredom got started. And this whoredom, this exchange for time, attention, and money for sex, it really got its real bridle here in America. You know, the African American woman taught, and the white taught the white woman, really. And the white woman became, you know, between the America, black and white society, you had the freakiest motherfuckers you ever want to meet. You know, and it's, it's largely due to because both have abandoned real understanding. Old Testament biblical law, statutes, and commandments of God. Yep, just so we're freestyling.